0: Hi, I'm Dennis Hester, and I'm the pastor here at First Baptist Church Watauga, and we are grateful that you have tuned in to listen to these messages, either through our podcast or on our website. And as you listen to these, our prayer is that you would hear the Lord speak to you from His Holy Word. If you're interested in learning more about the church, you can get on our website at fbcwatauga.org. From there, there's a place where you can plan a visit. You can learn more about our beliefs. You can also request prayer through the prayer request page. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'd love to get to know you. The most important thing that I'd communicate to you is as you listen to God's word, that you find a place to get plugged into a local congregation. Whether it's here at First Baptist or another local church where you live, if you'd like information or would like us to help you find a church home, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that and you can contact us through our Facebook page. So God bless you as you listen to his word and may the Lord encourage you in your walk. As we begin this study of Hebrews chapter 11, is there are times in your life when you make huge decisions where you don't know the outcome. you're making those decisions based on faith. And in fact, I'd suggest to you that some of you made decisions this morning. In fact, most of the decisions you made this morning were based on faith. Some of you uh, got up and and turned on the water faucet and placed a cup or glass under that water and took a drink of that water, believing that that water was gonna be clean, that it was gonna be good for you. Some of you, even though you've had an argument or a fuss with your spouse this week, you got up and your spouse had fixed you coffee or they had fixed you breakfast. But you didn't think twice about sitting down and, and eating some of that breakfast or drinking some of that coffee You know, the truth is, they might have had enough of you. But by faith, you trusted that it was gonna be okay. Some of you got in the vehicle with your spouse today, believing by faith that your spouse or that your parent was gonna drive you safely to church. Now, obviously, that happened. For y'all, I don't know how many people aren't here today because their spouse or parent took them somewhere else. But but the bottom line is, and in fact, if you were the driver, you you took a key and placed in the ignition of your car, started up your car, started down the the road. Some of you, if you were coming in from from the outskirts, maybe driving 50, 60, 70 miles an hour with full faith that your brakes were gonna work when it came time. Every single day, you live life with a measure of faith. Now, some of those don't seem like very big steps. You can start your car, expect it to to start and to stop when you press on the right pedals. The reason that you don't think that those are very big steps, even though your life may very well be on the line, the reason you don't believe they're they're, they're big deals, they're big issues is because you've been there before. You've done it time and time and time again. Every time that you stepped on that brake pedal, your car began to slow down and come to a stop. And so you're convinced that just that because it's happened before, it will happen again. And there, there are other things. There are other issues where, where you start a new job, or you start on a new journey in life, or you move to a new home, where where those steps of faith seem to be bigger and greater, and they're a little bit more difficult to take those steps of faith. But what I want you to hear me is faith is a part of your everyday life. Faith is is a decision that you make to put trust in someone or something every single day. What we're going to look at today We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 this week and next week. I really struggle with Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is an incredible chapter on faith. Hebrews 11 is really one unit, so it could be preached all together, but it's about 40 verses. Uh, You could go the opposite direction. You could break it up and preach every little partial paragraph, every little story. Instead, I've, I've chosen to preach Hebrews chapter 11 in just two sermons. Today, we're going to look at kind of that foundational issue of faith and why it's important. Why it matters, and in particular, faith in God. Read with me Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. The scripture says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not seen. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away. And he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. It's a quote from the Old Testament. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, the writer of Hebrews gave us a couple succinct examples here, and what I believe really is his introductory passage, because what happens next week is, is the writer of Hebrews in begins to walk through heroes of the faith. Some people call it the hall of faith, so to speak, like the hall of fame of faith. They begin to walk through uh, various heroes of the, of, of the Old Testament and talk about how God uh, through their faith did great and mighty deeds to them, but he, he verses one through six, I believe is introductory, and, and, and kind I see that because he bookends it with this... Idea that to to achieve, to to find approval from God, you have to have faith. And then he comes back to that in, in verse six and he tells us, in fact, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to be approved by God. Now, a lot of people see verse one in particular as kind of a definition of faith. I don't know that this would classify as a dictionary definition, but what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do is trying to help us understand this reality of faith in our everyday lives. And he uses two phrases that are said in opposition to one another for for you English teachers. Uh, The scripture says here, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, and is the proof of what is not seen. Those two phrases are both trying to help us understand what faith is really uh, by saying the same thing in a little bit different way. Faith is the reality. That word reality gets translated various ways in in New Testament translations for a reason, because it's hard to nail down. Uh, It's translated as confidence. It's translated as trust. It's translated as certainty. It's translated as assurance. The idea here is that that faith is the coming out, the, the, the truth of what we put our hope in. Let me let me try to explain it this way. This is I was man. I've worked through this because it, it's hard to understand what he really means by Hebrews eleven one. But one of the things that helped me was, was this idea. I, I believed that this morning. I believed that when I took my key and I put it in the ignition of my uh, of Susan's vehicle, we we drove her expedition today, and I turned that key that that car was going to start. I believe that, but it did not. Come to a reality until I took a step of faith, of trust, and acted upon that belief. And so there's a lot of people who say they believe in God, but but it doesn't, a relationship with God does not become a reality until you take a step of trust to act upon that belief. There's an old story of a, uh, you've heard probably before from pastors of of a man who uh, would, would Tight robe, walk a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And with that tight tightrope, a cable that strung across Niagara Falls, he'd take a wheelbarrow and he'd, he'd ask people, do you believe that I can go across the falls? Well, yeah, yeah, we can believe, we believe. Do you really believe I can go across the falls? Yeah, we believe. Do you believe I can push somebody in this wheelbarrow across the falls? Well, of course you can. We've seen you go across before. Who's gonna get in the wheelbarrow? Well, Do you really believe? Faith is taking what you say you believe and it becoming a reality by you putting yourself in that position. Let me go back to the illustration that I began with today. I can say I believed that Susan and I could have a great marriage. I would have never experienced the reality of a great marriage without making that choice by faith to step into it. You have to take that step, you have to take that choice. You can say, I believe that God is a great and loving God but you will never know the greatness and the love of God until you put your life in his hands. You can tell me, I believe that God could could do miracles with me but you're never gonna see God do miracles in your life and use you until you put yourself in his hands. I remember (laughs) just uh, uh, this spring, uh, meeting with somebody that they believe God had a had an exciting plan for their life, and uh, you know won't pick on him, but uh, I'm guess I am. Uh, you know, Warren had told me God had a plan for their life, and God was calling them to to add these three wonderful kids to their family. Man, it sounded like a crazy plan. <laughs> There's no way that's going to come together unless God moves in some mighty way to get through all of the details and all of the issues. And yet, by faith, they took those steps and they've seen God do incredible, mighty things. Some of us are, like we talked about in our growth groups this morning, some of us are too risk-adverse to trust God to do the big things. We'll trust him with the little things. The little things that we've seen work day after day after day after day, even though those things that worked yesterday, there's no guarantee they're going to work today. There's, there's no guarantee that your car is going to start. There's no guarantee that you're going to have clean water. There's no guarantee, you know, living in tornado alleys, you're going to have a roof on your house in the morning, right? There's no guarantees for tomorrow, but, but based on experience, we, we put faith in everyday things of everyday life, everyday, but we're afraid oftentimes to take those big steps those things that we haven't experienced before. Maybe we've seen God work that way in somebody else's life, but we're not sure that he could work that way in my life. We are especially struggle with our money. And we'll hear people give a testimony of tithing and how God, when God called them to tithe and to take that step that seems like such a huge step of committing to give that first 10% to the Lord. And we hear people talk about how God blessed them and how God Carry them through that. But then, when it comes time for us to do that, to write that check, to take that step of faith, we step back from it. See, it's one thing to see God do great things in other people's lives. I'm not sure that he's going to do it in my life. And so, faith doesn't, life doesn't become reality until you take that step of faith. And so when you see this definition, though it seems a little confusing, faith is the reality of what we hope for. I hoped that God would bless me with a wonderful marriage and family, but I would have never known it if I didn't take that step of faith. And, And that's true in every area of your life. You will never experience the reality until first you choose to take the step of faith. Whatever it is that you're, you're, you're dealing with, whatever decisions you have to make in your life, until you take that step, you'll never experience the reality of it. And so he goes on and he sets that in opposition to this. It is the proof of what is not seen. Faith then becomes the, 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 the proof, the reality. The, the, it's hard to not use the same words. In fact, some of the same words get used for these translations in different translations of scripture for the different words, but it's the evidence. That's another word that you see in the translation. Our faith becomes and creates that evidence for what actually is gonna happen. The reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. So what you're saying in some ways is faith requires me to put a level of trust that might even put my life on the line You want me to put my trust in something that I don't see or that I don't fully understand? Absolutely. How many of you understand exactly what happens when you turn your steering wheel on your car? How many of you understand the mechanics behind every little detail of what happens? very few of us would in fact cars have become so complicated now that so much of it is electronic and so much of it is computer driven that it's not even a, a, a direct mechanical response but very few of us hesitate to get in the car and grab a hold of the steering wheel and drive i don't i don't fully understand how electricity works but my life is absolutely dependent in this age on electricity at night, when I uh, get ready to lay my head down, I'll take my cell phone, which, like many of you, also acts as my alarm clock, and I set it on a little disc that's on my bedside table, and somehow, when I set that phone on there, it charges that alarm, that, that, that phone. And, and If it doesn't, my alarm's not gonna go off, and I'm not gonna get up the next morning. Now, I'll tell you one of them that, that I really struggled with having a little bit of faith over. How many of y'all struggle with the clock on your phones being your alarm during the time change. You ever worry about that? Because I'm used to growing up where we, we changed the clocks at midnight or before we went to bed. We changed the clocks so we'd make sure that we got up on time. But if you do that now, if you change the time before you go to bed, the time's gonna be off the next morning because your phone will automatically change time on its own. So if... You have to be careful. You, ultimately, I, I've learned I've had to, because I'm a, I'm a, you know, as a preacher, I don't want to be an hour late for church, right? <laughs> you, um, for most of the rest of the group, you know, y'all, it's, it's your day off. If you're an hour late Sunday, it's not going to kill you. If, if I'm an hour late on Sundays, it makes a mess out of things. And so I, I have to have a measure of faith. In fact, the first couple years that I, re- that I had to deal with this issue, I would go ahead and set a second alarm clock that had a regular time that wasn't gonna change because I didn't trust that phone. I was afraid that whoever's in control of changing the time wherever, you know, off in Chicago or or wherever, that that they weren't gonna change my, my clock. We have a measure of faith that that's gonna happen, right? And after a period of time, I've learned to trust, hey, Back in, in October when the time change came around, the time automatically changed on my clock and it worked out on my phone. And it did that back in March of last year too. And it did it October before that. So after a few times, I begin to gain a measure of trust that what they say is gonna happen is truly gonna happen. But do you understand what I'm, what I'm saying here? There's a measure of faith that we live by every single day. And that faith is not gonna be fulfilled until we... That reality is not gonna come to be until we take that step of faith and see it fulfilled. Faith is the reality, it's the the coming out, the truth of what we hope for. We get to see it happen when we take that step of faith. And then the writer gives us three things here that we gain by faith. And that's probably the best way for me to explain it. The first one is this, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. We understand creation by faith. We, we believe that God created all that we see by faith. Now, those of a scientific mindset say, well, yeah, but, but we can rationalize some things, and there's some things that we can prove. There are some things that, that, that make sense in the rational mind about the creation of this world. In fact, those who like to get into arguments and debates with those who, who, who would argue against a creation model, there's some good arguments to suggest that, that this world was created and that it didn't just fall into place by happenstance. But the bottom line is, none of us were here to see it. None of us were. And if you think that you can prove that the world was, came into being by any other means other than creation, I would suggest to you that you are accepting a theory by faith. Because scientific reality says that for, for something to actually become a scientific theory, it has to develop from a hypothesis that you have to be able to repeat the process and prove it over and over and over. And I haven't seen a single person that has created everything out of nothing ever, let alone more than once, over and over and over and over. And so ultimately, however you understand the origins of the universe, you come to your understanding by faith. The writer of Hebrews says that we believe that God created the world, we believe by faith, that he created the world by his word, by faith. And so it's by faith that we even come to to a, a rudimentary understanding that there is a God. It's by faith that we believe that there is someone greater than us, someone more intelligent than us, someone more powerful than us, someone who is omnipresent. It is by faith that we believe in God. And you can't get past that. It's In fact, even for creation, we only understand it by faith. We're putting our trust in the Word of God that tells us that God created this universe. And so that things that we see were made from things that were not seen. You know, in reality, that's the only explanation that I have, I think makes any sense for all that we see. For someone to tell me that scientifically you can take nothing, nothing, and create everything makes no sense whatsoever unless there's a creator. And so I believe what the Word of God says, that by faith, I believe that God created the universe. And I understand that by faith. Second, and this is where the rubber really begins to hit the road for you and I. Not only do I believe that God exists and that God created all that I see by faith, My only hope of being made right with God is by faith. Look at what he tells us about Abel here. Abel offered a sacrifice to God, offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did by faith. I want you to understand here that that Abel was not considered righteous because his sacrifice was better, Abel was considered righteous. Because he offered his sacrifice by faith. And we'll see consistently throughout the Old Testament. In fact, you see the writers of the New Testament point back to this as proof, as an understanding that the only way that we gain righteousness is by faith. It's not by doing good deeds. It's not by offering the right sacrifices, it's by faith. And so the writer here is is making a rudimentary point that he's gonna flesh out more throughout the rest of Hebrews chapter 11. And, And essentially it builds upon everything that we've seen in the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, that Jesus died on a cross for us, that he shed his blood so that we could have hope of eternal life. But the only way that that eternal life, that that righteousness of Christ, that you can be cleansed of your sins, the only way that gets appropriated to your life, that it becomes real for your life. The only way that, that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to you so that you can be righteous, stand righteous before a holy God is you put your faith in Christ and what he's done for you. See, you can believe that Jesus died on a cross You can believe that Jesus died on a cross for sinners. You can believe that Jesus' blood will cleanse you of your sins. You can believe that through Christ you can have a relationship with the living God. But simply believing here is not enough. It doesn't become reality until you take a step of faith. Where you say, not only do I believe that Jesus did all that Scripture says he did, But I'm gonna put my trust for my life in Jesus' wheelbarrow. I'm a sinner. I have sinned against God. And I've done it more than once. In fact, I'd suggest to you that, oh, I don't even wanna count. If I just sin one time a day, that's enough. I mean, how many... uh, times do I have to break God's law to be disqualified from being called holy? Well, all it takes is one time to disqualify me. Gosh, I'm over 50 years old now. If I just committed one sin a day for those 50 years, we're talking about over 15,000 infractions. Imagine standing before a judge on your 15,000th and first infraction saying, you know, judge, I'm really a good person. That sin was not that bad. What I did was not that bad. And he said, well, what about the 15,000th one? Well, you know, that one wasn't that bad. Well, what about the 14,999th one? You see where I'm headed here? Ultimately, every one of us stands before God covered with our own sin. We don't even have to get into a discussion about whether we, we received a nature of Adam and, and, and were sinners at birth. You don't even have to go there because every single one of us knows that we personally have sinned against God. Well, I have no hope of standing before a holy God in a holy heaven outside of his righteousness. And the only way that his righteousness cleanses me of sin is when I take that step of faith and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I trust you. It's an issue of trust. Do I trust the Lord Jesus to cleanse me of my sins through what he did on the cross? And am I willing to stand on that, to confess that, to proclaim that? Absolutely, because I have no other hope the only way that I'll ever receive the righteousness of Christ that will be cleansing and, and, and make me right before the throne of God is when I come and say, I can't, I'm a sinner. I can't stand before you holy Jesus, I trust you. I trust you and nobody else. I trust you for the righteousness that you can give me. When we do that, Scripture tells us that we receive the righteousness of Christ by faith. So we won't stand before God in heaven based on our righteousness. We'll stand before the God of heaven cleansed by the blood of Christ based on his righteousness. See, it, it only becomes truth and reality in my life by faith when I come to that place of trust. And then, writer of Hebrews gives us one more key here. He says Enoch, he uses Enoch as an example. Enoch's an interesting character from the Old Testament. The scripture says that Enoch walked so closely with, with God that Enoch did not die. One day, Enoch just was not. One day, God decided because he, he had this intimate relationship with Enoch because Enoch walked with him by faith, that he just took him to heaven. Enoch's body was never found. Enoch went to be with the Lord. He is. He, it's a unique, the only other person that even came close to something similar to that was Elijah, where God grabbed Elijah and took him up to heaven in chariots of fire. But uh, ultimately, all the, there's very few of us, in fact, none of us will, will get to experience that, I doubt. The only way that we get to to get to face the Lord face to face without dying is if he returns on his second coming first. That's the only hope we have of that. But Enoch was a unique character. But I want you to see the reason that unique went straight from life on earth to eternity, By faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not experience death. Then you see this quote from the Old Testament, he was not to be found because God took him away. Genesis chapter 5, Enoch was and then he was not because God took him home. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. He begins this, this, this picture of Enoch. Enoch experienced immortality. He gained eternal life directly from this earth into the presence of God. He experienced eternal life based on his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away. Now, there's there's a curious thing that we don't have time to get into all of the deep theology of what happens when someone dies. I'm not sure, honestly, exactly Uh, We we don't have time to deal with those that that passed away, that their body died before Jesus rose again. But Jesus made a promise in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus told Mary and Martha that when their brother Lazarus died, he said, don't you understand that those who live and believe in me will never die? You know what that means for us as believers? We're, We're gonna get to experience things a lot more like Enoch did than like anybody else in the Old Testament. Not that our bodies won't, are not gonna be immediately taken away, but Jesus says that for those who live and believe in him, we will never experience death. Look at verse five of what he says about Enoch. Enoch was taken away and did not experience death. The reason he didn't experience death is because of his faith in God. We gain eternal life By faith. We gain the cleansing of sin, I've already talked about. Our sin is cleansed by the blood of Christ by faith. But we gain eternal life by faith. The only way, in fact, that you can gain immortality, if you want to put it that way, or gain eternal life, is when you put your trust in Christ and Christ alone for your eternal life. If you think there's any other way to heaven, you're hedging your bets, you're gonna miss him. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. By faith in Christ, we experience eternal life. Now, we've already said that faith, oftentimes in life, we make faith decisions based on whether or not we trust the thing or the person whom we're putting our faith in. So you're gonna make a decision to get in your car when you leave here and and drive off from here. You're gonna make that decision based on experience that you have done that many times before and you have gotten to your location safely. So you're gonna make a decision by faith to do that. Some of you are gonna make a decision to go to a restaurant and somebody is gonna cook your meal and they're gonna bring it out and deliver it to you and you're gonna, by faith, accept that they've done a good job if they haven't put anything in your meal that's inappropriate or poisonous, you're just gonna trust because you've done it time and time and time again. Some of you this evening are gonna come up here at five o'clock and you're gonna taste about 20 different chilies. By faith, believing that nobody's put anything in that chili that's gonna be harmful to you. Actually, I'd have less guarantee in that than most anything else I've talked about today. Some people like to see how hot they can make their chili. But you're going to make decisions today by faith based on experience. The problem with eternal life is we don't have any experience in it. I hadn't been there and come back. And so what, what Scripture is asking me to do is to put trust in a God who... We learn about from Scripture. Maybe we experience in daily life if we're in a a relationship with him, walking with him. Maybe we've seen God do miraculous things in other people's lives, and so we put our faith in him and and trust him with our our eternal life. But we have to make a choice. The, 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 The uniqueness about whether or not we're gonna trust God with our eternal life or not is we only get one try. We don't get to... Try it out, and if it doesn't work, you know, we don't like the way this car drives, go drive another car. We don't get two chances. We don't get three chances. We don't get four chances. We get one. We have one life. And and I believe that God has created us not just for the 60, 70, or 80 years that we're gonna live on this earth, but God has created us for eternity. And we have one chance, one choice about who we're gonna put our faith in for our eternal life. And I believe that Scripture is clear. The only choice that, that is going to provide eternal life for us is Christ. He's our only hope. He's the only way. But you and I have to make that decision. Now, my goal over 30 years ago when I asked Susan to marry me, my plan was to only have one wife. So I wanted to get it right the first time. Fortunately, I did. Right? Your eternity is dependent upon who you trust for your eternal life. There's not a single one of us that can can carry ourselves beyond the grave. We can't live a good enough life to get us there. So we're either gonna trust what God says and what his word says or we're not. It will only become a reality if we put our faith and trust in the one true living God, who I believe is Jesus. Now, the writer of Hebrews sums things up. He says in verse two, by it, by faith, our ancestors won God's approval. And then he comes back to that thought from the opposite side, from the negative, when he says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God. I think that far too often, we in the church, we understand, if if you've come to that place where you trusted Christ with your eternal life, you came to a decision that said, I can't get myself to heaven, so I'm going to trust God for my eternal life. I'm going to put my faith in Christ for eternal life. And so we take that step of faith. But then we make a decision that we can live out our everyday lives on our own. I can handle this one, God. I can't handle eternity, but I can handle tomorrow. I can handle today. I can handle the next day. And so we seek to try to live our everyday lives based on our logic, our understanding, our thoughts. The bottom line is that God is not pleased until we walk in a relationship with him and trust him. Essentially what we're saying, if we get up every day and say, Lord, I'm gonna trust me today. I'm gonna do it my way. My way is better than your way is we're saying, I don't trust you. I don't trust your way. And scripture says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Put it this way. The Lord gives you a place of something in particular in your life, and and you know that this is what God's calling me to do, but you just don't see how it's gonna work out. You don't see how you're gonna pay for it. You don't see how you're gonna have enough time for it. You don't see how you're gonna have enough energy for it. So you just look at what you believe God's called you to do and you go, no, I ain't gonna do that. God is not pleased by that. God is only pleased when you, by faith, say, Lord, I don't understand how I'm gonna pay for it, but I trust you. I don't understand how I'm gonna have enough time for that but I trust you. And so you take that step of faith and you trust him, then you please God. You cannot please God by living your life out on your own. What if I'm a good person? What if I do really good things? It is impossible to please God without faith. That means there's gonna be times in your life where you have to take uncomfortable steps that you don't understand how they're gonna work out But you take those steps anyway because you believe God's called you to it. And when you take those steps, that is what pleases God. That is when he gets to show up in your life and and people around you get to see God do something through you that you could not do on your own. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he kind of sums it up in, at the end of verse 6 with the last phrase when he says, "...since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him." So the bottom line, you have to begin with belief that he, he exists, that he is who he says he is, makes sense. How can you please God if you don't believe he exists? But you also have to believe that God has a reward set aside for those who seek him and walk in a relationship with him. Most of what we've talked about in, the, in, in this other part is in the middle of that, understanding that he created this the universe by his word, understanding that we achieve righteousness by faith, understanding that we'll find, a, we'll see eternal life because of our faith. All of that is wrapped up in between these two extremes. First, we have to believe that he exists and then we believe that he rewards those who trust him and seek him. That's what faith is. Faith is believing in someone that we can't see and believing that he cares about me and that he loves me and that I can trust him to do what his word says he's gonna do. That's faith. Putting my life from beginning from beginning to eternity in his hands. When we're willing to do that, we gain righteousness. We gain eternal life, and I'll guarantee you we gain a whole lot more. We gain joy and peace and comfort and his presence in the midst of our everyday lives. We're going to face struggles in this life. We're going to face difficulty and challenges whether we follow Christ or not. If we choose by faith, to believe that he exists and believe that he is one who rewards those who seek him, we walk in that relationship with him, we will find a life that is full of meaning and joy and peace and excitement that can't be found anywhere else. That's why we have to take those steps of faith at times in our lives when it is hard. When God calls you to do something that you don't believe you can do, take that step of faith and trust him and let him show up. Let him show you how he's going to accomplish it. I want you to stand with me. Matthew's going to come and lead us in a hymn of response. If you have never put your faith in Christ for your eternal life, you've never been cleansed by the blood of Christ. And so right now, if you were to, if you were to die today and you were to stand before the throne of heaven, you would stand before him in your sin. Because you haven't been cleansed by Christ's righteousness. I'm gonna plead with you to put your trust in Christ and Christ alone for for your cleansing, for your forgiveness today. Don't wait. You don't know what tomorrow holds, you don't know what this afternoon holds. Don't wait. Make that step of faith. Put your trust in, in Christ for forgiveness. If you don't know where you would would wake up if you were to take your last breath on this earth, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. You need to put your trust in Christ for your eternal life. Make that decision today. I wanna wanna talk to you about it. Kevin will be up here to talk to you about it. You come and talk to us. You may just simply wanna come to the altar. You don't wanna talk to me. You've got business to do with God, not with me. You can come to the stage. You can come to the altar and bow down and pray. This is a, a safe place for you to bring your burdens and lay them down. That this is your time to respond as God calls.